Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. It's time for this week's One Last Thing with co-host Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How about yourself? No complaints here. You know, three-game winning streak. Everything was good for the for the Ravens. And we're going to really talk about their position in the AFC during this. The AFC North will hit on, you know, more directly towards the end of this, I think. But in the AFC in general. And, you know, not making a move at the trade deadline, looking at the other AFC teams, what weaknesses they have they didn't address. Um, but I'll let you start it off here. I know you had an overarching point uh, that you kind of wanted to talk about. Yeah, so uh, you know, just looking at the, how the AFC has shaped out um, uh, so far this season, you know, the top four teams are all sitting at six and two, including the Ravens. And um, you know, at this point in the season, um, every team has had every one of those teams has had a pretty bad loss. The Ravens included, um, in particular, um, for us would be the Colts Steelers. Game. Although the Colts were not, yeah. you know, was not great either. Um, but you know, every, everybody's had, you know, a couple bad losses and, uh, would, what really struck out to me as we kind of approached the, uh, trade deadline is that, uh, for the most part, the top teams in the AFC didn't, the Ravens included, didn't overreact to one or two bad losses by, uh, you know, trying to overpay for a free agent. Uh, you know, mortgaging the future a little bit uh, just to put a Band-Aid on. I think, uh, you know, if I think the Ravens, as well as the rest of the cream of the crop in the AFC kind of are confident in their ability to, um, you know, make it to the playoffs and, and put a good product out on the field. Yeah, absolutely. The Ravens very balanced and and uh, a strong team. So the notion that we the, the, the Ravens needed to get one more player – I think it's very important to balance the needs of 23 and the needs of 24. And if you look at the recent, most recent DeVoe rankings, the Ravens are the best ever six and two team. They're only one five and three team in NFL in the 40 years they've been doing DeVoe um, is as good. And that was the 2001 Eagles. So you know, this is a very good football team. They didn't, they really didn't need to go out and get a player in my opinion. And they really needed to balance their needs in 24, which include a lot of UFAs leaving um, and the need thus for a lot of draft picks, probably also some luck with undrafted free agents, maybe more importantly than in past years, the draft picks that they make this next year are going to get some trial by fire right away in 24. They're not going to be guys who sit around and wait for their turn um, like like some of the other more recent draft picks have, have had to do. So uh, there's going to be more of a, a focus, I think, on immediately ready uh, draftable players next year. And for all of the compensation picks the, the Ravens are likely to get from this UFA crop leaving, and it should be a really rich harvest, I would say. None of that comes until 25. 
So what the Ravens had to trade at the deadline here, in my opinion, was 25 deferred picks. And they didn't they didn't obviously make a trade involving one of those. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to go through each of the other eight teams in the AFC that, that are, you know, I think significant contender and talk about, you know, what they did at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, so before we maybe get to the AFC at large, perhaps we should start with the AFC North and mm-hmm. kind of go over the landscape there. Um, uh, Ken, how would you uh, rank the three teams in the AFC North, maybe in terms of uh, more so in terms of the threat that they pose to uh, the Ravens this season? Okay. Um, I, I would still put the Bengals at number one. You got three, four and three teams there. Um, but they're the team. I think they have the most complete team. They have, have the best quarterback situation of the other three uh, right now. Uh, they have some of the other components they need on offense, including a, a, a fine receiving core. Uh, they've got some dings and holes on defense, but they, they have a decent pass rush. And I think that's a team that is probably uh, the, the biggest competitor for the Ravens. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have uh, the Bengals at number one for for that uh, for pretty much all the same reasons you do as well. And you know they weren't an easy team for us to uh, to beat uh, earlier this mm-hmm. season. That's when Burrow uh, wasn't at his best. Now it was in Cincinnati. The Ravens' offense was still figuring some things out. We weren't necessarily 100% healthy either. Uh, but you know they're a real threat. You know any team that has a receiving core like that and theirs might be the best in the NFL. Um, you know, in terms of the top three options, uh, you know, give, gives you uh, something to worry about. Um, okay. Number two team, do you want to go first or what do you want to do? Yeah, I would, uh, I would say the Steelers, um, you, you know, I, if, if Deshaun Watson gets back to playing at his, you know, at, at, at some kind of previous good level, I would, you know, the Browns might have a higher ceiling than the Steelers, but unfortunately we did drop that game against the Steelers earlier in the season, so the Steelers have an opportunity to do something that the Bengals and Browns will not, which is to uh, to get a season sweep against us. And uh, it's very hard to um, win your division um, against an opponent that uh, that that sweep uh, swept you. It's not impossible, of course, but um, that just does just kind of add a little bit of jeopardy to it. They've played the Ravens very well in recent years. Um, they've really overachieved there. I, I, you know, in my view, there's been a talent imbalance in our favor mm-hmm. over recent years, uh, but that hasn't been borne out in the uh, win loss columns. So, um, you know, I, I think uh, that's, a, that's a must win later this season. I would agree. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure that the Steelers are going to win more than about nine games, but, but I think you're right. I think it still ends up being a must win, probably a litmus test, always a division win, which could be important in terms of winning the division against Cincinnati. If Cincinnati wins the second game against the Ravens. So important in a lot of ways, um, the Ravens don't, sorry, the Steelers don't have everybody healthy. Cameron Hayward still sitting on the bench, um, but they've, they've been able to hold it together, missing players like, um, Micah Fitzpatrick for some significant time in the last several weeks. Um, and the biggest fear I have, they have the best pass rush, I believe, in the AFC right now in terms of, of the their two edge rushers, at least, with, with Watt and Highsmith. But the guy who's really emerging is Joey Porter Jr. And his passer rating against right now is under 10, 9.8. Um, and they, he's, the opposing quarterbacks have completed just three of 14 passes against him. And that included, of course, the interception in the end zone uh, when Odell Beckham did not uh, uh, probably do everything he might have wanted to do to stop that uh, from happening. 
that that team it always scares me a little bit. They all we always seem to play down to them, or they play up to us, or whatever the situation is. And uh, uh, just a team that I'm I'm concerned about. I would put them behind the Browns in terms of my fears right now. I, I think they don't have it really figured out on the offensive side of the ball in terms of who they have. Um, they're they're severely lacking in, in terms of uh, uh, what weapons they have. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are pretty good players. Um, then they, you know, they may or may not really have a quarterback who can stay healthy. Uh, and Pickett has not been particularly great when he's been in there this year. Yeah, uh, I, that's that's pretty reasonable. Um, I, I actually, until you mentioned it, I didn't really appreciate the parallel. Like the Steelers finally hit on a corner, and we finally hit on a receiver. You know, yeah. uh, it just goes to show you, uh, you know how how uh, you know parallel these teams run. Um, yeah, I, I I think that's. Um, I think that's very reasonable uh, assessment, and and you know that just leaves the Browns, um, who I, I think they're a big unknown. You know, they could uh, you know they could either you know you know continue to be a dumpster fire, or or they could um, you know with some even remotely competent quarterback play really come back and um, you know do some do some good things later this season. Um, I, they got rid of Peoples Jones, didn't they? They did. They traded him. And and uh, honestly, I think a, a pretty risky move to get rid of him. Donovan Peoples-Jones coming to this year, played three years in the NFL and had a combined 10.0 yards per target career. Right on the money. Seven, 1,740 yards and 174 targets. And trading away a player like that's very dangerous. Now, he was at 5.4 yards per carry per uh, target this year. The Lions picked him up. I think he's a he's a major candidate for a revival in Detroit with uh, with what they do and the fact that they're playing indoors and whatnot. Yeah, uh, you know I, that that receiving core. I don't think at this point scares you that much. I mean, Amari Cooper is pretty good. You know, David Njoku is um, uh, you know a good tight end, but I think that he gets a little bit overrated every season just because of the lack of quality tight end play in the NFL, generally speaking. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if they really thought that they were contending for the AFC North this season, you got to ask yourself whether they would have traded um, Donovan Peoples-Jones away. Yeah. I, I, I think that's part of it. You look at who they picked up on their practice squad, James Prochet, somebody else X Raven. Yeah. Uh, Kenyon Drake. They picked up mm-hmm. yesterday. That gives you just an idea about how short they are at running back right now. Kareem Hunt is back with the team. And uh, by the way, every Browns fan wanted him gone after last year when he really didn't have a very good year. And, and this year he's back and, and he's playing quite well. Um, they've, they've gotten a, a lot of value out of Jerome Ford, who is kind of a, a second tier kind of back, in, in my opinion. Uh, but Hunt is the guy who just is is uh, playing a lot better than he did last year. Uh, and, you know, they've... I guess they knew what they were getting. They have a, you know, still a, a good offensive line, which I think is probably their biggest asset. And somehow, you know, it just drives you nuts to watch early games on Sunday or whenever the Browns are playing and see them pulling out games with PJ Walker at quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, you know, they're sticking around a little bit more than you'd like them to, but, uh, but, um, you know, I think either way, the Steelers and the Browns are not going to be, uh, challenging for the AFC North crown. I think that'll be uh, down to the Ravens and the Bengals. And, uh, and yeah, that's, that's what we're looking at. I think. How about the rest of the AFC? Let's, let's maybe start in Buffalo where, 
Yeah, they're 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 now not in a fight for the number one spot, in my opinion. It could happen, but but their but their primary fight is in the division to win that against the Dolphins, who who look very tough. And you know, the Bills weak at cornerback, even though they spent their number one pick last year on Kyrielum. He admittedly was a guy I really liked uh, coming out of school. It could have been disastrous for the team to draft another Elam and have it not work out. But uh, he, uh, you know, they haven't been able to get him on the field uh, because. He's just not good enough. Yeah, um, I, I mean, you know, the Bills. The Bills are one of those teams um, that had one of those horrible losses uh, that I was that I was talking about. They lost to the uh, Patriots. Uh, I think I think now it was two weeks ago at this point. Um, and uh, and you know, no, nothing new. Um, or I'm sorry, am I confusing the? Um, no, they did lose to the Patriots. Okay, for a second, I thought I thought I got that wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought maybe I confused it with the, with the Dolphins. Yeah, they lost to the Patriots, a significantly inferior team. Um, you know, which just goes to show to Ravens fans that yes, it does happen to uh, teams other than the Ravens. You do slip up. Huh. It's a long, it's a long season. Winning in the NFL is hard. There's no such thing as a as as, as a gimme. Um, um, but yeah, you know. The, the Bills, I think, like some of the other teams that are going to be on this list in the AFC, they don't have uh, necessarily as many weapons um, that that scare you um, as, as as some of the other teams. Um, you know, they, this is this has been sort of repetitive throughout the seasons. But you know, after Stefan Diggs, does any does Gabe Davis scare you? Not really. Um, you know, they did make an investment in the pass catching tight end in uh, in uh, was it Kincaid, right? Um, and, uh, and so, you know, he's, he's been pretty good. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, they're not really the high flying offense that they have been at times in the past. Um, they've had some injuries on that defense that, um, I think have have impacted them quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, and, and, and yeah, they're, they're behind the the dolphins. They're, they're trying to play catch up and I'm not sure that the dolphins are going to, uh, relinquish, um, relinquish their position although i believe the bills did beat the dolphins so they've got a chance to sweep them as well but uh they they've got a tough road to hoe i think yeah absolutely both their both of the guards on the buffalo offense neither one is particularly good the uh uh connor mcgovern has been around the league for a number of years including some time with the patriots and uh torrance uh, neither of those is is particularly outstanding. Uh, they are pretty good at the tackle positions. And Spencer Brown, the Northern Iowa guy uh, from, I guess, two years ago now, um, is playing pretty well. A developmental tackle who's uh, who's uh, done some good things. So, you know, every team is a little tenuous at offensive tackle because there's simply no backup uh, talent anywhere. It seems like a tackle in the NFL size and shape pool is very limited and uh, – uh, the Bills uh, did address their corner issue by getting Russell Douglas from the uh, Packers, if you consider that addressing it. Russell Douglas having a terrible year. He's kind of been in a three-year period of decline since he got to the Packers. And uh, a guy they picked up uh, is, as their, I guess, really big deadline move um, in terms of, of uh, pick up a player who can help them. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know where the um... – where the bills go from here um, in terms of uh, correcting their, uh, their issues. I don't know. Uh, I don't recall whether Von Miller's made it back onto the field or not. I think maybe I saw that he was practicing. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head. I can, I can take a look at that, but um, uh, you know, they're, 
I think their defense is is in need of is really in need of a sort of like an in, infusion injection of, uh, of of something. You know, somebody needs to you know step up and and um, and and really get, you know add something to that so that they can be uh, you know more um, more dynamic like they were in in years past. Um, and I just don't know where that's coming from. So I think they're they're significantly behind in that spot. Yeah. Just just to to get back to Miller for a second, he he's been on the field a little bit the last four weeks, and there may have been additional injuries involved because I see against New England he just played a handful of snaps. He's otherwise hasn't been in the twenties. Looks like he's on a pitch count and really has not played well. So he's been in there as a situational pass rusher for sixty one snaps, has a total of three hurries during that time. So that's not what you expect from Von Miller, and not uh, you know no sacks so far in terms of uh, of what he's delivered on. So. Uh, you know, I think that the uh, yeah, the bills are paying him a lot of money, obviously, and they would they they need that to work out at a better level. And I think yeah. that, that's a great place for the uh, uh, for the Ravens not to have things work out for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I guess we can move on to uh, to the Chiefs. Um, you know, the Chiefs had another one of these really horrible losses, and that was this past week to the. Uh, to the Denver Broncos, who are not a good team, um, you know, I think, you know, I think it was something like they beat them sixteen or seventeen times in a row, or something like that, mm-hmm. um, and, and and finally lost one, um, which happens. But you know, that's that's a significant talent imbalance. But you know, obviously, um, you know, the talk was that um, Patrick Mahomes was having his flu game and whatnot. But the Chiefs really, um, you know, it, it's it's not like losing to the you know, Lions is a is is a terrible loss or anything, um, particularly in the start of the season and you know game one or anything like that. So when you look at the win loss and the teams that they've played, you, you're like, okay, maybe that that's not so bad. But if you if you watch the games, I, I really think the Chiefs have a significant problem at receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, you know, Rashi Rice is emerging and I think getting better and earning more trust and rapport with. Um, uh, with um, homes every week, but it's really... The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The like Kelsey and almost no one else show like last season, you know, Juju Smith Schuster, who is, you know, in my in my opinion, not even close to being a star, um, I think was a competent receiver there and really helped you know, move things along and his departure, I think has had a bigger impact than the chiefs would have expected because, you know, this, this receiving game just 
this passing game is just not um, clicking in the way that you would expect. Lots of problems at receiver for the Chiefs, and a lot of guys have not done the job, but there are – Mahomes has a way of making almost any receiver have the opportunity to look good. Justin Watson. Okay, Justin Watson. He's – what year is he in even? Uh, he's been in the league for five years, three with Tampa Bay, two with Kansas City. He's not a he's not a special player by by any means now at a 28-and-a-half. He's certainly not a speed guy. He's a 6'2", 215 wide receiver he's sitting at 13 yards per target this year 13 yards per target now it's only 20 targets that's still very impressive rashi rice you mentioned him early he's at nine and a half yards per target i mean it's not an insignificant number of yards he leads their wide receivers with 361 so that's good um Kadarius Tony, on the other hand, is averaging just after over four yards a target. Despite the fact he's caught 19 out of 26 balls, uh, he really hasn't done anything uh, anything with that. Um, by the way, I, I really want to understand how the receiving grades for Justin Watson and Kadarius Tony could be so close on basically a similar number of targets when Kadarius Tony, Tony's results are terrible on a per uh, target basis. So, uh, and and Justin Watson's are excellent. So. Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's a um, it's it's interesting uh, group. But Marquez um, Valdez Scantling is he hurt at this point? Because he's got over ten yards of target as well. Looks like he's yeah. playing. Um, I think I, I think he's playing. I know I know Watson had suffered an elbow injury a couple weeks ago, but he is expected to be um, back shortly. Um, if he if he hasn't made it back, I mean I, I think he they played were, against Denver. Yeah. Okay. So, because they were they were concerned, I, there was talk of elbow dislocation. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I I I I don't know how you would how you would necessarily put it, but like it it really seemed that last season that the receiving core was sort of operating on a you know like yes nobody's a star or anything like that aside from Kelsey obviously, mm-hmm. um, but they were. You know, it, it seemed like every game somebody was go, like the guy for the game, you know, like like whether it's, you know, MVS kind of, you know, catching a deep bomb or Juju working it, uh, you know, over the middle. It, it really seemed like it was a more um, productive passing offense that uh, that defenses really need to needed to account for. And it just does not seem to be coming that easily for um, for Mahomes and company this this season. All right. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Kansas City is one of the teams that's unexpectedly high in the league in terms of sack production, and they've done it with the, with a similar formula to the Ravens in terms of a, a spread production from a number of players that uh, you know certainly aren't all household names at this point, with the exception of Chris Jones, who who does if he doesn't lead them in sacks, he's he's, he's very close. But they have uh, Dana and Karloftis. And um, other guys are, are all contributing a fairly level amount of sacks to that group and um, very much a, a pass rush by committee um, effect. And Kansas City's defense overall has been quite good. Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. They, um, they've been playing quite well. And certainly the return of um, Chris Jones was, um, was a welcome one. They did have to put um, – Nick Bolton on uh, on IR, which is a which is a pretty significant uh, injury. I think he was playing very well, sort of emerging as a as a 
as a real star for that defense. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's certainly if I'm, if I'm a Kansas city fan defense, I think you'd have to be very happy with how they're performing, particularly in comparison to recent years, uh, coming out of Kansas city. Right. All right, well, let's move on. And, uh, and uh, you know, an interesting team in the AFC that, that didn't do anything really at the trade deadline is the New York Jets. And there was talk that they might go after a quarterback. Uh, the name that kept popping up was Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I don't think that the Tennessee Titans have any impetus to keep him at this point. Uh, you know, it, Tennessee may well be going through a rebuilding phase. Even if they can recover to contend this year, I think they'll do it after this first game with Will Levis at quarterback. And whatever backup play they might get from Tannehill, and he could end up being in their in their starting lineup again if Levis were to, to falter at this point and, and he were to get healthy, I think it could happen. But um, I think also it's it's this would have been an ideal time to trade him. And there were three teams out there really desperate for a quarterback. So you had the Minnesota Vikings is coming off the Kirk Cousins injury, uh, the Jets, uh, obviously, in, in their situation. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons also, you know, with Desmond Ritter at quarterback, can't be altogether happy with what's happened. There's a division to be won there uh, that, that nobody seems to want. <laughs> and it might have been a, a really good opportunity to trade Tannehill here, get him off the books. There's always cap complications with a player like Tannehill, but Tennessee did have some money to – buy additional cap dollars to buy additional draft picks with, which probably would have been a good move for them. Yeah. I mean, it's looking at the jets. You can't, you just can't help, but think what might've been, um, you know, had Aaron Rodgers not gotten injured, that certainly would have mm-hmm. been a really interesting three-way battle um, for the, for the AFC East. Uh, but, you know, to their credit, they're, they're hanging in there. They're playing solid games. They played the chiefs very tough. Mm-hmm. Um you know, that defense is, is extremely talented from top to bottom. Um, you know, I, if I'm, if I'm the, if I'm the Jets and this talk of Aaron Rodgers potentially somehow returning at the very end of the season, I don't, I have no idea how realistic that is. I don't know anybody who's really has any real information on it that, you know, could, could really extrapolate or, or, or expand upon the um, validity of those, you know, those notions. But, you know, if, if your season long strategy is I'm going to try to win as many games as possible to, to see if it's worth it to, you know, get Aaron Rodgers back on the field and see what we can do in the playoffs. You know, I think they've got to try to keep these games very, very close and then, you know, make some big bets uh, in, in game, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of stealing possessions on fourth down and yeah. and, and and things like that because that's I think their lack of offensive talent at the in particular at the quarterback position uh, kind of necessitates that sort of play. Yeah, they, they are a team definitely who when there's winning percentage on the table uh, to be had in any kind of game management decision probably ought to be going after it. Um, and uh, you know it, a lot of that is left on the field by coaches across the across the league just because analytics hasn't been fully embraced and, and calculation of win probability is not fully trusted, but also because if you're the better team, you shouldn't make that decision if there's all the high variance. And I've, you know, I've had that come up a number of times on, on my show and, and uh, I, I don't feel the need to, to reboot it here, but uh, uh, you know, there are some positive expectation plays, which are, which are correctly passed up by good teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um 
then I uh, suppose I'd move on to the Dolphins, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the teams in the AFC that concerns concerns me more than uh, I think almost any other uh, with the quality of uh, quality and speed that they have on offense. It's, it's just it's just you know terrifying, um, and you know the Dolphins also haven't really had a one of these signature bad losses that the rest of the AFC teams seem, seem to have had. Um, you know they lost. Um, they lost at the Bills and they lost at the Eagles, um, two very respectable teams to uh, to go up against. Otherwise, they've you know throttled the Panthers, throttled the Giants, throttled the Broncos, um, took care of business against the Pats. Um, you know, I guess I guess if if anything, uh, you sort of say, well, the two teams that are any good that they've played, they lost against. Um, but uh, I guess you know we're going to learn more about the. Um, the Dolphins, when they play the Chiefs on Sunday, um, um, you know, they, they, I think they smartly didn't make any, you know, major moves in, in free agency. Uh, you know, I think they are probably counting on Jalen Ramsey coming back and being, you know, in, in good health and bolstering that defense. But, you know, the way that they're playing on offense, you know, might, might not matter if they can, you know, I don't care who you're playing. If you can put up 70 points, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's it's they have you, you've got the right word there. They've absolutely terrifying speed on offense. They're what the Ravens, you know, we would love the Ravens to be if they ever use their speed weapons in the same way. But the Miami completely engages them with Hill and Waddle and A-Chain um, really leading the way in that group. Raheem Mostert, another big one in terms of yeah. uh, of uh, enormous speed. But anyway, Hill is at 12.1 yards per target. That's just a insane number at the NFL level, almost never attained. Jalen Waddle at 9.1 right now. Any receiver would be happy with that, and you especially are happy with when you get 53 targets um, at this point in the season. And he did miss time at, at, at some point, but I, I think he was back this last week, if I recall. Maybe he was out this last week. The guy who hasn't been that good, um, Braxton Berrios, is still, would still be pretty good for other teams. You know, in terms of of uh, what he gives you as a as a possession receiver, so um, you know they're they're they've got a very good offense top to bottom. Raheem Mostert and uh, and and A Chain are, are players who run the ball very effectively, and you know they just they no matter where you line up against them, if if Tua can get the ball to the right player. Um, there's a good chance you're not going to have an answer for the speed they can they can present to you. Yeah, I mean Ravens legend Raheem Mostert. You know he's gonna you, go. you know it's going to be a revenge game, right? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's certainly going to be a, ta- a test if we if we meet them in the playoffs. It's going to be a test of strength versus strength. You know what? Um, you know what can you know Mike McDonald do um, on uh, on defense to to, to stymie that offense. And, uh, you know, so far he's answered the call, but I'm not sure that we've seen something, um, quite like this since the, you know, greatest show on turf. Well, let's, let's finish. I, I, I had on mind that we would go into the chargers, but I don't really want to do that. I don't think they've earned the additional playoff consideration, playoff fear consideration, top of the AFC. What do they do? Oh my God. Consideration. Um, but let's talk about those other four teams, uh, that are there, maybe the five include the Bengals and include even the Jets in this. And tell me, how, how do you rank those five in terms of your fear of 
what team they may be come playoff time. Yeah, um, for me at one, it's either the it, it's uh, it's either the uh, Bengals or the um, it's either the Bengals or the uh, Dolphins. Um, you know, for for the reasons that we've said, I mean, just those high flying can score on a moment's notice offenses. Those are those are the ones that that scare me um, the most. How about you? Dolphins are definitely number one for me. Uh, I don't even really think it's all that close. Uh, even though they, you know we may see them falter against some better defenses, we may see some see them falter against some defenses that don't give up. The Chiefs at number two, I would say. I think defensively they got to put together. On offense, they had Mahomes, and Mahomes has made a lot of mediocre receivers look good. Uh, the number three team for me is the Bills. You know they still have a pretty effective defense. Um, I always hate the idea of having having to go to Buffalo to play football in January. It's just a terrible, terrible prospect. Uh, Lamar has not proven to be a particularly great bad weather quarterback um, in his career. So even though he's had outstanding success overall, you can point to the game at San Francisco, the game at Seattle he won in 2019 um, at home against San Francisco and at Seattle. Um, But anyway, those games were certainly good, but there's been plenty of other games with wind where he's not looked particularly good. Um, and and that's been a ongoing issue. So uh, I, I don't want them playing in Buffalo in January. Um, it's also just a crappy place to go to see football. And so we you know we obviously plan to do that. I put the Bengals at number four right now. I think um, one of the things that's kind of been clear during what's happened is that I don't I don't think Burrow has the arm strength to be a, a, a threat to the Ravens. And I think that's very good that the Ravens cover two defense plays extremely well against a team like the Bengals and the Bengals still haven't proven they can run the ball against the Ravens. So they, they've tried to play a lot of small ball and been pretty effective moving down the field when the Ravens are soft and not when the Ravens are not soft. So um, I, I think, I think that would be the number four team. And I would put the jets at number five, just cause I don't, I don't see their quarterback issues getting resolved. I think the jets can play defensively with the Ravens. Certainly uh, they're one of the best teams in the league there. But I don't think they can. Their their offense would uh, would be nearly as good. Any consideration for Jacksonville? Jeez, we didn't even talk about Jacksonville. That's terrible, isn't it? That we would leave them <laughs> off there. Yeah, they they'd be certainly ahead of the Jets. Yeah. Uh, they would probably be the. Uh, yeah, it's real good. I, maybe ahead of the Bills too. I mean, I, they're it, he's uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously of of a very fine quarterback. I can't believe we left them off the list. I, I just, uh, we're just it's a, you know, it's maybe, a big swing and a miss <laughs> you know that must be a uh, sort of the, just the vestiges of us being told to build a museum and them getting a franchise before we did you know yeah. um it's funny uh, i mean we, we we're we're going 33 minutes into this episode and i'm sure there's people listening to this who have been saying what about the jags what about the jags what are you gonna get to the jags <laughs> Yeah, I mean Trevor Lawrence is playing the best football of his career, um, and and I think he's thrown the ball better than most of the quarterbacks on this list. Honestly, um, luckily, in, in my opinion, uh, I don't I don't think anybody's slinging it better than Lamar this season. Um, um, you know, the results aren't always there for other reasons, not necessarily not necessarily having to do with Lamar, um, but you know, Trevor Lawrence is is definitely playing well. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think aside from having the Bengals near the top, I think your your list and mine are, are pretty much the same other than that. All right. All right. Always a pleasure to do this show with you, Slava. Tell folks so they can talk football with you online. 
I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. All right. Outstanding. Other folks out there who want to do a film study short, hit me up. Uh, DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you. If you can, uh, do all the things that, that you normally do for a YouTube video. Like it, uh, subscribe, uh, particularly if it's a podcast. I uh, want to get more subscribers going on that. Uh, if you can, the other thing I'd recommend is, or I'd ask you to do is either review the thing. Uh, a five-star review is also always welcome. But also, if you know an older person maybe who doesn't really work with podcasts well, but might like this kind of content because they're they're you know a hell of a football fan, show them how to get to this on a laptop or, a, or on a desktop where you just go to the website, filmstudybaltimore.com, look at podcasts, click on the podcast. You can listen to it right from there. So even people who aren't used to doing everything on their phone, which is where most people listen to this, obviously, um, that's a, that's a great way for an older person or somebody who's, who's uh, not used to podcasts as much to, to uh, get the experience. Anyway, uh, for Slava Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying uh, goodbye. And we'll talk to you next week on one last thing. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.